David Walker joins us to talk about LaMelo Ball. We're going to start our player recaps. Who better to start with than the star of the Charlotte Hornets? That's today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods, and that includes YouTube. This uh, episode is brought to you by Game Time. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. David Walker joins us, the Duke of Dunk today. We always appreciate his presence going to help us kick off the player recaps lamella ball going to start us off we'll get to all of the players that are on the roster right now and then who knows um who's going to come to us in the nba draft we'll start to preview the draft as the offseason goes on as well david you excited to kick off uh, some lamella ball conversation absolutely i appreciate you bringing on for lamella ball the star of the team and and you know some of the lesser known guys you guys can handle on your own but hey uh the duke of dunk that's that's the dunk the shoe right we're still playing on that i mean i have dunked before but it's been quite some time well that's 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 something that's new information to me i didn't know you could dunk i mean we've been doing this show all these years you never told me you could dunk uh, well, but yeah, yes, I was referring to the Walker shoe. Was born, so it's been a while. So. <laughs> yeah, what, that's that's a good question. Yeah, when is the last time you actually completed a dunk? What year? Uh, Nineteen ninety-seven. Oh, okay. I was five years old. Yeah, so right. I was I okay. was born. <laughs> so I was. Yeah, the Duke of the Hyper Dunk. That that was my favorite basketball shoe. That's what I have right now. So you can that's a good one. Yeah. You can go with that. Um, you can also check out Doug's work on his Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. Check me out on WFNZ, Sports Radio 92.7 FM, every weekday from 12 to 3. So let's dive into it. LaMelo Ball, awful season with the injuries, but also offensively show just how much he means to this team. The numbers when he was on the floor offensively were staggering, and the numbers for this team offensively when he was not on the floor were as bad as any team offense in the NBA. Defensively, not so good when LaMelo was on the floor. And so we learned that this year, just how much he still needs to improve. We came into the season wanting more free throw attempts. Didn't really happen. He jumped from 3.2 to 3.4 free throw attempts just this season. Did increase his scoring average to 23.3. Field goal percentage went down, but three-point field goal percentage, it went down a little bit, but on a lot higher volume. The guy's still a bona fide shooter. I think we all feel very good about what LaMelo Ball can do there. Doug, we'll start with you because I know you're the cleaning the glass man, bringing up some of the advanced stats for us. What do you see there? I mean, you really don't even need advanced stats to sort of understand uh, what he did this season. You do need some context in that he was dealing with injuries, both uh, sort of relevant, but also uh, lingering injuries as well. But 23 points per game, 6.4 rebounds per game, 8.4 assists per game. You know, field goal percentage is probably uh, the overall field goal percentage, probably not where he wants it to be. But the three-point field goal percentage was solid, almost 38%. Um, his points per shot attempt, you can see here in the in the cleaning the glass graphic, takes a dip this season, uh, but it's not. Again, I think there's a lot that goes into that. You know, this season was all about injuries: four ankle injuries in total, three left ankle sprains. You had the right ankle fracture that eventually ended his season, and then it was also reported that he's still dealing with a little bit of the lingering effects 
of the wrist injury. So the big question for me, you know, heading into this next season is how quickly can he get healthy? Can he get healthy? 100%. But can he quickly get healthy enough where he can salvage some of his offseason and start to make some improvements that he wanted to make, I think, in in this offseason and heading into this season uh, in order to, you know, elevate his game from all-star to all-NBA. David, what were some of your thoughts on LaMelo Ball's season, the few games that he did play? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the theme of it was the injuries, and he just could not get and stay healthy, and that's the biggest question now. And now that is a question, right? That's the unfortunate part. The perception for a lot of people is probably that he can't stay healthy, uh, which is unfortunate when you have a young star who kind of heads uh, leads your team out there. So uh, that was the big takeaway and will be the overarching theme for LaMelo Ball this season i mean you look at his play on the court like you guys mentioned doug pulled up those stats uh you saw the scoring ability jump i think you uh saw the his potential to be a lead scorer on the team uh was obviously there the free throw attempts are the big key right that's what's going to unlock him to make that next leap i mean and just to tell people how, how important those are you've got guys in the nba averaging 30 points a game which is where you know for Lamelo to be take that jump to be like super superstar uh, you've got Luca. They average. He averages ten. Dame averages ten. Shea averages ten. Like all of these guys, average uh, about ten free throws a game, and thus yeah. make about that many. And so that's the key for him. Um, not getting to the line as much just really leaves a lot of points out there for him. And I think that's one of the next steps that he can take. Right. I mean, I think you saw it a little bit this year. It's just so hard to make a judgment with so few games played, but it felt like he was trying, you know, to deal with the fouls that weren't being called as much and trying to get there a little bit more when he was out and there. Getting healthy. frustrated and fouling as a result and fouling out of games yeah. because he was frustrated yeah. by that. Can I make one counter to, cause I, I do agree that he needs to get to the free throw, free throw line more, but I think we can sort of go overboard on it and say, well, he needs to get to that SGA or James Harden level. He doesn't need to get to that level of getting to the free throw line. He just needs to do it a little bit more. What the Hornets and the reason he only needs to do it a little bit more is because he makes such a huge impact in terms of his passing and playmaking that he that he doesn't need to score you know, an amazing amount of points every night. And so what the Hornets need to do is surround him with players that when he does play make can actually finish plays. And also it would help if they could find a dominant score type to play alongside of him that can get to the free throw line a little bit more to kind of counterbalance that. That, Yeah, that would be great. I just think like, under three point, under three free throws a game for him is right. It's got to be more. Uh, that's unacceptable. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and for me, like I'll split the difference. Yeah, it doesn't need to be ten because you're talking about the best free throw line getters in the league. But also when you're talking about Lamelo, you know, three point four, it's pretty small. Like, give me, give me six. You know, I'd like yeah. to right. split the difference there. And with Lamelo, your usage percentage can't be as ridiculously high as it is and not get to the free throw. A lot, not get to the free throw line all that often, right? Like, so for me, I would like to see a significant increase. Again, we don't have to go to the SGA level, but I do want to see a significant increase. And the thing is, I do think LaMelo has that ability, even if he doesn't have the blow-by speed. He has enough handle. He has enough of the SGA, if we want to use that example, Link. herky-jerkiness, where, you know, he can get there, he can kind of freeze you with some hesitations and then get to the lane. And that's where the passing can call also come in. We know his assist percentage is absolutely ridiculous. So I, I would like, if you have the basketball in your hands constantly, 
then you are the offense, which is clearly what it was when he was on the floor this year. Lamella ball was the offense. So you need to get to the free throw line more for sure. The other thing I wanted to point out is it's interesting. You look at Lamella just so people don't look at the stats and get things misconstrued. I, maybe I'm just talking to no one here, but the turnover percentage for Lamello, it's actually quite high. But the thing is, if you look at the Charlotte Hornets, the team turnover percentage with him on the floor, it's in one of the top percentile. And it's because it's one of those things where the usage percentage is so high. Lamello is just accounting for all of the team turnovers, which is totally fine because you want him to have the basketball in his hands. Right. So like, well, if, if we want anybody trying to play make for anybody else, we'll just give it to Lamello and you want him, you want him, you know, pushing the envelope on some of these passes, trying to fit it in a tight windows for guys that are cutting. And so that's another thing that proves when he's on the floor, other guys reap the benefits because clearly he's the best ball handler, best point guard guy that can make things happen offensively on all areas of the court. Yeah, I think with the turnover situation, definitely you're okay with him trying to make a play, trying to fit it into a place that he we know that he could fit it in, and then sometimes it doesn't work out. You know, I think as he matures and learns to you know manage games a little bit better, he'll eliminate some of the turnovers that I think are again rooted in frustration he, he just yeah. he gets frustrated by the foul situation or by a shot not going in and then he starts to really force the game a little bit in some of these games I did I did want to I mean let's we can celebrate LaMelo Ball and and how well he played especially uh, towards the end of his season right before he had that ankle injury I just had his uh, trend line for his game score pulled up here on cleaning the glass and you can see this little blip here that goes way above his season average and position average. He was killing it in that period, right? Those five games, including the game uh, against Detroit where he got injured, he was working on, I think he had 15 points, six rebounds, five assists, yeah, and five three-pointers in the first half of that Detroit game. Um, he, uh, This is a stat from Hornets.com. He became the eighth player in NBA history to record five three-pointers and 10 assists in a five-game span between February 13th and the 27th when he had the ankle injury, joining Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, James Harden, Damian Lillard, Gary Payton, Russell Westbrook, and Trey Young. And he's the second youngest player to do so other than Trey Young. So I mean, he was he was absolutely exploding, and, and it really – is a shame that he fractured his ankle because we were watching LaMelo yeah. Ball start to blossom. I don't know what this season would have become. Uh, I think they probably still would have missed a play-in opportunity, um, but we were starting to see him really get into a groove. Well, and yeah, just w- with the split, right, you're going with just at the very end. You know, I'll go with the three games in January that he played and then all of February. He played every single game in February, not a game in March. So that's just so happens to be the time he got hurt. So after he missed those three contests with P.J. Washington landing on his foot, LaMelo shot almost 39% from three on 10 attempts per game in that 14-game stretch that he had. Uh, Just if we want to celebrate him, the shooting is the clear thing to go to. Oh, and it's an extremely important thing to go to, especially for your point guard that can also facilitate, right? Like he's not just some, and nobody's blaming him for this or, or calling him this, but it's not like just a Rondo or someone where, you're only facilitating and you're a liability from the outside. The the guy is a problem. And that's, what's awesome to see with him on the floor, being able to kill you from the outside. But also when he does drive, you know, you can see from all angles to pass it to the corner and give us some of these uh, ridiculous assists that he's been known to get. 
Yeah, and I don't think that uh, attempts from three would necessarily go down if he started going to the line just a little bit more. I mean, we've seen it, guys. He missed, you know, or there were missed calls for him. There are opportunities that he's not getting to the line. I, I hope that once he figures out how to be a little more crafty, how to maybe sell it a little bit more, how to maybe not get so frustrated. Uh, again, we've talked about it in the season. I don't think he's showing up the refs or anything like that. He's trying to figure it out, right? He's actively, even in-game, going to the ref and be like, now, why wasn't that one a foul? I got hit in the face, you know? <laughs> why aren't these fouls? So I don't think – I think the three-point, I don't think that's going anywhere regardless, right? That's clearly a big part of his game. And that's not something that anyone, I, I think, especially coming out the draft certainly right off the bat thought that he would be that efficient or that big a weapon uh for this team or in oh, the NBA no. shooting the three-pointer <laughs> you know no way so 10 10 attempts as you said jumped up I mean that about doubles what he did in his rookie year so I think that's staying there I think he's going to continue to work on that got to get stronger I mean he just has to get stronger hopefully that will help out a little bit with the um with the injuries and he's a young guy so when you're talking about the injuries you just hope he kind of works his way through that but i mean yeah plenty plenty to celebrate with lamella ball uh returning back to charlotte next year and and continue to build and, and maybe lead this team it's going to be super interesting to see how he you know it'll be a fourth year next year uh, how yeah. he leads that team how he if he takes the reins if he turns into more of a vocal leader um so that's something to look forward to and we'll just have to see all right let's continue this conversation coming up next on the lockdown hornets podcast sleep on the hornets just yet We'll talk about what's next for LaMelo and just continue to shed light on how awesome he is, but also defensively, you know, what he can improve on there as well. That's all still to come. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. You can forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and even more than that. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section, and row for less game time will credit you 110% of the difference get images of your seat too before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and then you're set tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on nba for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code locked on nba for $20 off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed still more to come locked on hornets is locked on hornets are we sure that like everyone interprets a handful as five i, don't I think, think so. so honestly i would I'm, say a handful is normally five but i would agree four is acceptable i'm gonna hold five <laughs> things in my head look one this is a pen a book i got okay. a phone yeah, you're, you guys are actually right it's getting pretty yeah, here's a cable Five. Okay, that's five. That's five. And here's right, a coffee cup. What else? It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Real quickly, wanted to mention one other thing about the shooting as we continue to celebrate that part. If you look, you mentioned it was going to be his fourth year, David. If you look at the last couple of seasons, right? So he did shoot right at 39% just last season in his all-star year two years ago I guess now and then this past year he shot 37.6 if he gives us another season like that where you know he's shooting 38 percent on you know I don't know maybe eight nine attempts or more per game then he's gonna be 
I mean, already just bona fide three straight years as one of the best shooters in the league where we're, we're talking about elite, though. Like, it's not just, oh, man, no, he's he's really good. It's surprising. I didn't expect that. I mean, he's he is in a man tier one. If you give us three straight years of that, then you're going to be in, in a tier one of shooters where, you know, clearly there's Steph, even Damian Lillard can go for some nuclear seasons like that. Just as far as usage, different kind of three point shots that you can pull up from. But it'll be it'll be pretty daunting territory, right? Like that's a scary man from beyond, and it already is true now. But like once we get a third straight year of stats like that, there's nobody that's going to be there. There's not going to be too many people that are better than you. Yeah, and as they continue, hopefully, to add talent around him, uh, you know that playmaking is just just going to improve. He's already one of the best passers in the world, uh, in my opinion. So I mean, he's just going to continue to grow. They've got to add, add guys around him, build through the draft, all that good stuff. That's just going to up his game. Yeah, maybe it'll it'll take a few shot attempts away from him. I mean, hopefully, right? Hopefully, they'll have some other guys that can shoot. Uh, but but the better the talent, the better he will play, and he elevates guys. I mean, you know, he elevated uh, Plumlee when he was in there. He elevated. Uh, uh, younger guys when he's on the floor. So he's still going to continue to do that. Um, but I think the Doug's point is big because how fast can he get back in this offseason? It just seems like every time he's, you know, he had no like mini rookie camp. He had, you know, so there's always been a bump in the road. He had no summer league. He will never have a summer league. So uh, he's got to be able to add some stuff in the offseason when he can. It's just how fast can he get back to that? All right, Doug, where do you want to take us now? Do you want to, because one of the things David said there that um, I noted was his making Mason Plumley better, that can also translate into making Mark Williams better, right? Your first round pick, those guys running a pick and roll game, that's going to be something exciting for the future. Where do you want to take us? And we started to see that develop. Yeah. You know, yeah. but that it's going to take, that's going to take time to develop that rhythm. It took time for him to figure out Mason Plumley, he, but he's had a lot of, you know, he's had a lot of options at center. And, and I don't think any of them have uh, flashed the potential that we've seen with Mark Williams so far. Um, so, you know, I think, yeah, if he can get some time with Mark before this season really kicks off, that, that would be awesome because it means they're going to be in a rhythm, you know, right from the jump. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, does, does he get some more shooting help around him? I think that would also help. You know, I want to see him in the three-point contest. I want to see him. Yeah. In, I want to see yeah, him an All-Star weekend in the three-point because I don't think he could be the greatest shooter of all time unless you hoist up a three-point shooting contest <laughs> trophy. But I wonder if they'll have to like move the basketball rack like back a little bit. If he'll have to request because he's got to take the deep three. That's where he's. That's where he's most potent. See, is, that's you know, why they need him in there. They need that showmanship. And he needs to be like, wait, guys, no, I need four balls. No, yeah, before before he walks back. out, yeah, he's like, right. no, pull him back. Pull them back. <laughs> that that would be amazing to see. Um, let, let's look at the defense just real quickly and go into cleaning the glass as well. I, I want to at least want to give some numbers here, so it's not just like okay, we're just hating on his defense without anything to back it up. Just it, look, this is why it's bad, right? If you go to the points per possession according to cleaning the glass for the Charlotte Hornets when he's on the floor, they are in the 14th percentile with him on the floor. They are plus 4.6 points per 100 possessions with him on the floor. And so that is way down on the list. You look at the effective field goal percentage that they allow. They're in the ninth percentile when he's on the floor. And also, I think what's more troubling here is the fact that when you look what happened post-All-Star break, even with the 
welcomed excuse. Like I understand the excuse of fresh legs of young guys, just flying out there playing against teams that either weren't good, barely playing for the play in or playoffs or had just already checked out. I mean, I understand that part of the schedule as well. That matters, but also it's a pretty dramatic increase when you're talking about best defensive rating going into that OKC game at the end of the year. I think they finished third in defensive rating, however much stock you want to put into it. And then you're talking about best transition defense too at the end of the season. So I think that that's the part to note. It's that there was such a dramatic increase. Now that wasn't all just without LaMelo, right? You didn't have Terry playing late. You know, you had a, a couple of different guys that were out. Kelly wasn't there. You know, even PJ at the very, very end wasn't playing in those last five games. But LaMelo, w- when he was on the floor, the defense hurt. So, Doug, I'll go to you. Just, you know, what do you want? Is, is there anything specifically that you want to see from LaMelo more so? And, and how much of this is just always going to be a give and take thing with him because he has so much offensive responsibility? Honestly, I don't. I don't think he has to do all all that much more. Um, Steve Clifford talked about the fact that you know, again, in that little five or six game stretch before he got hurt, he was starting to to pick some things up defensively. I think he needs time, you know, with Steve Clifford's system, time that he didn't really have uh, last season. That um, he seems to have uh, the the ear of Steve Clifford and the respect from Steve Clifford. It seems to be going both ways. So I think they can learn a lot from one another. I think he's just got to cut down some of the fouling. You know, again, a lot of the fouling was was frustration, but some of it too was the fact that he wasn't keeping his man in front. And so then he would try to recover and get like a little chase down strip or chase down block and end up fouling his guy. And so, you know, if you can just work to keep that guy in front just a just a hair more, because here's the thing, you know, you probably needed to be a shutdown guard when you had Mason Plumley down low because Plumley was giving you almost zero rim protection. But now you're going to be playing with Mark Williams, who can swat some basketballs every now and then. And so, like, when you have that force, you don't have to you don't have to stay in front for so long. So if he can just buy them a little bit more time, and honestly, like, you know, he's the the tough part for me in evaluating his defense is that he's playing alongside Terry Rozier, yeah. someone that also exactly. is not a staunch defender. Like, if he was doing this alongside you know, a guard that was committed to the defensive end of the floor and he was obviously the issue, you know, that would be one thing. But I I just think there were just a rolling series of issues defensively for this team that I'm not willing to put all on LaMelo. I I think if he cuts down on some of the mistakes, that would overall improve the defense when you consider some of these other factors that they're going to be adding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I would love to see him be a little bit – bit more of a, of a lockdown defender and he's not going to get to the lockdown defender level but you got to think about he's probably never been asked or certainly been challenged to be a, any type of defensive presence up until probably he got to the nba and, and probably not a lot before steve clifford got here to be honest with you so well, remember we had the cherry picking video from chino hills when he was like a freshman or a sophomore well who's he gonna guard yeah, yeah when he's a 90 pound <laughs> right. freshman you know what i mean and he's not guarding any <laughs> yeah. of those australian uh professional players either well but that's, so that's like, a good but that's a good point david and go back going back to something you said in the first segment he's got to get stronger and i think if he gets yeah. stronger the coaching staff will challenge him. I think there's a tendency not to put him on certain matchups to hide him defensively because you look at him and you go, I don't, you know, if 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 Tatum goes one on one with this guy, he's just gonna he's just gonna bump and grind him and get to the rim too easily. 
But if he gets stronger, that's going to challenge the coaching staff to challenge him yeah. a little bit more. Because if you if you go into you know stuff like uh, uh, basketball, not basketball reference, uh, the, the other basketball site that we use and that breaks down like the matchups. Lamelo is not he he's been not even being hidden like you can't even find him on defense. They're trying to put him on the like third best offensive right. player on the other team. And so that's what I would like to see more of is him getting some better matchups and 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 challenge him uh, to stay in front. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the last segment. We're going to get David's thoughts on what uh, the news dump with Miles Bridges on Friday that he would be suspended a total of 30 by called by the NBA, but also just 10 next year. And then another topic coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. B-Ball Index. B-Ball Index is the website that I was trying to think of. Yeah, we're going to talk about B-Ball Index. (laughs) We're also going to talk about uh, Malik Monk. Big topic of conversation on Twitter. Malik Monk balling against the Golden State Warriors in the first round of the playoffs right now. So a lot of Hornets fans feeling some type of way. And then uh, a lot of Hornets fans also saying this was the right move to let Malik Monk go at that time. We'll get to that in the last segment. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's a uh, daily fantasy app where you can pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Plus, there's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available, and they offer projections on really any sport you watch. That includes the NBA, the NFL, MLB, WNBA. When men's and women's college basketball is in season, you can bet on that as well. W uh, Esports, already said WNBA, but you can bet on it twice if you want. That's fine. NASCAR, tennis, MMA, so many other sports included. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals, and they're currently operational in over 30 states and even Canada. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit 100, Prize Picks gives you 100. If you deposit 50, they give you 50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. One more segment to go. Locked on Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. I'm a fantastic Googler. I'm bad at logging in. If they were to do sort of a scouting report of of me and my ability to use the internet. Todd, 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 Todd. Yeah. I, Excellent Googler. Not a very good guy that's logging in. Very yeah. good at interrupting the host anytime he's trying to go on a rant. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. David, we uh, have you on here to kick off LaMelo, but you also got to talk about the hard stuff, too. That's the problem with jumping on to uh, do a player recap about LaMelo Ball. We did have Miles Bridges get suspended for 10 games next season. The NBA gave Miles Bridges a 30-game suspension total, with 20 having already been served last year for his arrest, felony domestic violence that took place really before the new league year kicked in with the kickoff of free agency this past offseason. It's something that Mitch Kupchak alluded to. He thought it might go into July, go past July 1st in that deadline. But really, you know, shortly after that, we did get this news um, for his role in that um, in those alleged incidents, again, with Michelle Johnson, as we talked about as well. Any thoughts from you on Miles Bridges and uh, whether he comes back to the Hornets, just whatever thoughts you had based off this suspension. 
Yeah, I mean, it certainly feels like all signs are pointing towards them attempting to resign him and, and bring him back. You know, he's posting now new workout videos, uh, and he's got plenty of Hornets gear on, as do the guys working him out. So, I mean, it's uh, it, it feels like the team has always uh, been keeping that door open for him. Um, it feels like they – you know, didn't have a backup plan uh, because they clearly did not have a backup plan when all this went down. And they've backed themselves into a bit of a corner just saying that now we kind of have to do this. Um, And so that's both the reality and uh, I think a lot of blame perhaps goes on the team for that. They just never really had a a backup plan, um, you know, over the 12 months of this going on. And so now I think they're kind of back to where they were before this all started, like that he would be a, a piece. Maybe they think they can still get him at some sort of discount for whatever, you know, uh, versus whatever they were going to sign him when all this took place. And I think people are dis- that are disappointed uh, that he may return to the team uh, clearly uh, have every right to be that way. You know, I think as a sports fan, when you see teams – uh, have an issue with a player like this with domestic violence in particular, you would hope, at least I think, you know, you guys, and I think I hope that that wouldn't be your team is that you would say, you know, yes, people deserve second chances, but it's going to have to be somewhere else. And so that's just going to be half, that's going to be something that the fans and the team, the media, you know, everyone is going to have to deal with this uh, when, if he does uh, end up returning and I mean that's a thing I I still don't know how the team is going to handle this you know there just wasn't much talk league-wide about this um, for various reasons obviously the team you know stood on the fact that the NBA was doing their investigation they couldn't talk about it Uh, but they're at some point you know they're going to have to speak to it I'm sure Miles is going to have to speak to it um, if he rejoins this team or when he rejoins a team. But from a Hornets perspective, uh, I think this at some point was their plan all along. Um, they they kind of stuck it out. And, uh, you know, there's just – there's so many questions. You, you think he'd be able to come back and play if you're just talking about specifically basketball. But you guys mentioned it last week. You know, the, the length of time he hasn't played, who knows? I mean, nothing's certain. Um, so I think this – whole thing has just been a, a, a year-long um, issue for them. And, and certainly, again, your thoughts go out to to the victim and, and everyone involved. But I, I just think it, it's been something that the Hornets never really figured out how to give themselves any option. And now they're, they're, they're stuck kind of going back to where they were. Yeah. Just any thoughts from you, Doug, real quickly before we move on uh, about the video. Is there anything to take note of the Miles Bridges video released? He was in Charlotte Hornets gear when he was, you know, when he put out that video, the timing of it, anything at all? Or do we just move on because it's just what Miles Bridges and I guess Clutch decided to do? Yeah, I think that whole thing has been interesting, right? We've seen little videos pop up. Uh, really through this whole period we've seen him uh in workout videos usually posted by other entities not really posted yeah he's by been him, in the I background think. right so so all of this goes back to mm-hmm. him releasing a video after the arrest everybody's like what in the hell are you doing and then they don't do it anymore right but I, I believe draymond green there, there have been multiple incidents of somebody posting workout or open run and miles bridges in the background we mm-hmm. we would see him in the background so those was what we those are the videos we'd see him yeah, and I think you can also connect this to those rumors around Christmas time and into, uh, well, then the team denied the rumors after New Year's. 
uh, that that the team was in negotiations, and these were coming from Woj right. and Shams. I mean, these were coming from the big boys in the in the news breaking industrial complex, um, which means they were coming from agents. <laughs> right. um, and so, like, yeah, I, it seems like there have been uh, a couple of incidents now where you know, the Hornets have been involved and may not be ready to be involved. And I don't know. I don't think that's going to really uh, influence anything down the line. But if 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 negotiations between the team, whenever they can take place, I guess that would take place June 30th or whatever that date is that you can begin. And I think that's what Mitch was saying, by the way, on the July 1st. Not that the decision would take until July 1st, but now that the decision, once the decision crossed the threshold of free agency, now they've got to wait yeah. until June to even have a discussion with Miles. Um, so. You know, once that takes place, do those negotiations are they harmed by any of that? I don't think they will be, but but if the negotiations break down all of a sudden, you can look back to some of these incidents and go, well, th- th- this was this was handled pretty aggressively. Yeah. All right. So we'll see what happens with Miles Bridges this offseason. The uh, the idea is that he'll sign with the Charlotte Hornets, but who knows at this point. We'll keep you updated um, on everything there as we go along. All right. Let's have the Malik Monk conversation here. He's been a topic of conversation on Twitter. He's been playing very well in the first two games, the first two wins for the Sacramento Kings against the Golden State Warriors. And now Charlotte Hornets fans are coming out of the woodwork from two years ago saying that the Hornets should have kept Malik Monk. And a lot of backlash towards those fans that are saying the Hornets should have kept Malik Monk. I know Nada has been a warrior on the Charlotte Hornets front out there. My guy at Nada the Scribe, we love him so. An OG, a family member of the podcast. Doug, I'm going to put this in your lap and you take us wherever you want to go as well. Well, just uh, all I would say is congrats to Malik Monk. I'm, I'm real. I'm super happy for him. I'm mm-hmm. absolutely 100% ecstatic that he has gotten this uh, third opportunity and he's taking advantage of it. And, and that's that's all I think any of us that were true fans of the Charlotte Hornets. That's all we wanted to see while Malik Monk was in Charlotte. We just didn't get an opportunity to see it, and I don't think that we ever would have seen it. I think. Every player has to go through a journey of some kind. And whether that journey takes place with the same team or whether it has to happen over several locations, they've got to go through that process. And sometimes they get it and sometimes they don't. They wash out of the league. Luckily, or fortunately, Malik Monk put in the work. He figured it out. But look, he had to go on a vet minimum contract to to Los right. Angeles before he got this opportunity. It wasn't like some you know, there were teams lining up to take advantage of of the fact that the Hornets let go of Malik Monk, all the other teams understood that, hey, this guy is sort of, he's on he's on the line between complete washout and could be something, and, and it took him getting to Sacramento. So, salute, but it wasn't going to happen in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, David, what are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say I'm not happy for Malik Monk. Um, <laughs> I'm... <laughs> That's right. I'm 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 upset that it didn't well, happen. You wanted in Charlotte. it to happen no. in Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to have in Charlotte. No, no. It is cool to to see him. I mean, it's of course you expect the flack and the backlash and the he was miserable in Charlotte or, or whatever. Um, I think I did mention that, or, or I replied to not on Twitter that that you know there's no there's not much mention of the Lakers in this whole thing, but I don't think they had his bird right so i think there was some disadvantage they had into had into bringing him back and he so he well, really earned, russell westbrook hell too you know trying to figure yeah, out yeah i mean only the only people that knew that was going to happen in la were uh walker and, and lebron i mean they was the only ones i knew it was going to happen right what do you want yeah. me to say you guys just know you guys you guys have been in this game long enough 
to know uh you know basketball iq on the court and it, just, it was a no, no brainer um <laughs> i couldn't doug you can't resist that can you go ahead well no i'm just i was just thinking like the monk situation i think highlights one of the challenges of team building in in today's nba which is you are drafting guys that are and this is going to come up in this draft because yeah. i mean i think it has a record number of like freshmen or people out of the g league or whatever and like you're drafting guys at 18 or 19 years yeah. old, and then you have to make a decision th three to four years later. And thinking about it, like this is typically, you know, two, these guys would be two or three more years seasoned when they mm -hmm. came into the league, I don't know, five, 10 years ago. Now you're bringing guys, and then you have to make a decision on that first contract all of a sudden. And it's like, oh, man. You know, we don't know if this guy's going to go one way or the other. I mean, it's you know, I don't I don't envy Mitch Kupchak in those kinds of decisions to say, all right, I'm going to take the risk here, give this guy a lot of money, and hope that in another two or three years he figures it out. Yeah, you're exactly right, and it seems like that number's only going up, right? I mean, these kids. There was a kid yesterday who signed for the G League for two years, right? He can't. He's he, I guess he graduated high school early. He's 17, <laughs> so he's going to be playing in the G League for two years. Uh, you know, I don't know what that does for you, but but Nada was huge mentioning just that sometimes, you know, the person needs to go, go through growing. The team needs to go through growing. Like, it's, sometimes it's much better for those two factions to go their separate ways so that each one can can move on and, and, and flourish or go down a, a different path. But I'd also just like to note that, you know, I think when Monk was drafted, it was certainly the expectation that he would blossom into, you know, into a starter, um, we thought and plug and play. We thought this was a plug. Because I, I of mean, the shooting I, ability. Because yeah, the people shooting thought ability, we were, we were going, going to see immediate impact, and then we didn't. And and, and maybe those, you know, th that's a great question. Like, had Malik Monk come in and we all said, you know, similar to what we're doing with Kai Jones right now, if we had said, well, this guy's a raw prospect, it's yeah. going to take three, four years, would things have turned out differently? I'm not sure because, again, Malik Monk came in, I think, with a certain level of confidence about his game and when that didn't match the result that was happening on the court I think that's when you know some of the personal problems started to leak in and then you know things kind of got off the rails from there yeah and so look my, my thing about Malik Monk I, I've always been the one that was angry letting him go I, I did not want to let him go I've always disconnected with everybody on that front and I understand that he had immaturity issues, and I get it, right? It was not a slam dunk. I'm not going to act like it was a slam, a slam dunk to keep him. But I saw enough from Malik. Some people don't. I missed on Devontae. I thought we should keep him. Clearly, they shouldn't have done that. So whatever, like we miss or hit. I thought with Malik, what, what I do get a little frustrated by is when it couldn't happen in Charlotte, right? The fact that we see this growth from Malik, that he goes to the Lakers. And by the way, it's not like he's performing well with Sacramento. And now the only reason we're having this conversation now is because it's on a national stage and it's right. in the playoffs against Golden State. Dude was awesome in more minutes with the Lakers. Higher percentages, same amount mm -hmm. of points. He was really good with the Lakers last year. It's just that the Lakers weren't going to win the championship and they didn't get the three seed like Sacramento did. And now Malik is balling out. And so if you go back even to that last year that he had in Charlotte, he did. He shot really well from three. Shot forty percent. And then if you look back at the thirty games he played, what happened in that last season? We had an ankle injury, and he was balling. Okay, like he was shooting forty six percent from field. He was shooting forty two percent from the three. And then he had that ankle injury in April. And then the last ten games comes in and does not play well. 
he played, you know, the last like nine, 10 games, whatever it was his last year in Charlotte didn't play well. And then he goes for a vet mint, which clearly states that the NBA was not, everybody wasn't lining up right. the door to go get him. But for me, I thought I had seen enough to the point where, all right, well, I, it couldn't happen in Charlotte. Well, we made damn sure of that, you know, like vet minimum, a guy you draft, a guy that was actually playing very well before the injury, you made damn sure of it. And so now he goes to a different team and he grows up. And so it's just like you can't right. win, right? But the Hornets, it, but the Hornets would not have been able to retain him on a vet men, is what I'm saying. Like you know, in that yeah, situation, and that's that's fine. Yeah, yeah, like if Malik, right? Malik just wanted to go. I understand that too. But also, yeah, I mean, it was pretty clear. It was two coaches, Hornets, two coaches, two regimes came in and said, "Yeah, can't sure. play this guy." Well, yeah, and Steve Clifford, very young, right? I mean, how many years did he play with Clifford? You know, one. Right, and Borrego came in and really hitched his – we talked about this, you know. Yeah. Borrego came in and hitched his wagon to Monk and then said, oops, I can't – this guy's defensively a disaster and inconsistent offensively and sometimes takes 15 shots and then sometimes pulls the Kobe and decides not to take one shot at all. Like, you know, I mean, those, those are the issues. I will say this. I don't know if it's the national TV, like ESPN cameras, because I don't get to see Hornets on those cameras very much. But uh, <laughs> he looks bigger. Like, he looks bulkier. Like, yeah. <laughs> those national well, TV mean, cameras, in a good way, like in a strong, like he looks right, right, right. way right. bigger than he did in, in his Charlotte days. Yeah. Well, guys, you know, if they advance and the Lakers advance, it will be a revenge series well and yeah and like i know you right we've had this debate before like i know you're saying like it's two coaches with steve clifford and james borrego but also you know you you could make that decision yourself like so it's like okay well if he goes and he plays better than it's it it never could have happened in charlotte but if he would have gone and he would have sucked and it's like okay well we were right to leave him you know like there's what, could what you, you but hold on but could you i know a chaos theory wouldn't have happened this way but could you imagine borrego they keep malik monk and they they take borrego and say all right you got to go and then they go to kenny atkinson and kenny atkinson does what kenny atkinson does and then they go all right malik we got to bring steve clifford back <laughs> and steve clifford is malik monk's coach again like that well, would have been amazing well, and that honestly, that's a point for the people that thought Malik Monk should go. I will say Malik, when they first uh, matched up again this year, Sacramento and Charlotte, Malik did go to Steve and said, hey, I had to mature. I had to grow up. Right. And I understand a lot of what you were saying. Look at Doug with his. It's Check so immature. <laughs> it's a, yeah, you don't hear that mentioned. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I, I, I've never that? been oh, more excited. I've never been more excited on a draft night than I was. The, when when Malik Monk fell to the Hornets, that was a live show in the old studio, Doug, and uh, it was a very exciting mm-hmm. night. And uh, just didn't we didn't have too many more. Uh, last that, thing, yeah. Last thing I'll say is this: bottom line is Charlotte left uh, let a draft pick out the door that's helping somebody win a playoff series right now. Mm-hmm. Like that's what's yeah. happening. So that sucks to see somebody so play book with- night. Just off, just keep Booknight and whomever for. Hey, <laughs> James Booknight, way worse than Malik Monk. There is <laughs> oh yeah, nothing, yeah, yeah, yeah. What a whew. you point you point to any of the thirty nine percent shooting from three or forty, and I'll and I'll maybe think about it. <laughs> you know, but we haven't seen that. All right, that'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. We appreciate everybody hopping on with us, um, and making us your first list. And we also appreciate David Walker for hopping on with us every single week. 
the Duke of Dunk today, but he could be something different tomorrow. We'll have to find out. Make your second listen game to game NBA every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on game to game covers every game from across the league with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow game to game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. 